You're listening to Beat Autoimmune and Thrive, the podcast all about reversing and preventing autoimmune conditions so you can live your most vibrant life as soon as possible. We talk about autoimmune root causes, actionable solutions, and inspirational healing stories. I'm Palmer Kippola, and I used to have MS. Today, I'm an author, a speaker, a functional medicine certified health coach, a pickleball player, and nature lover who's helped thousands of people reclaim their health and their best lives. Let's dive into this episode. I am delighted to be joined by Dr. Terry Walls. Dr. Walls is a clinical professor at the University of Iowa, where she conducts clinical trials testing the efficacy of diet and lifestyle to treat multiple sclerosis. She's the author of The Walls Protocol, a radical new way to treat all chronic autoimmune conditions using paleo principles, and the cookbook, The Walls Protocol for Life, the revolutionary modern paleo plan to treat all chronic autoimmune conditions. Her powerful TED Talk, Minding Your Mitochondria, has been seen more than 3.5 million times, and I highly recommend watching it. The Walls Protocol emerged from Dr. Walls' own quest to treat the debilitating symptoms she experienced as a sufferer of progressive MS. Informed by science, she began using paleo principles as as guidelines for her unique nutrient-rich plan. Her book shares her astonishing personal story of recovery and details the program with up-to-date research she's now conducting at the University of Iowa. And no other author, I might add, in the health and wellness space conducts clinical research, publishes in peer-reviewed scientific journals, or is building the scientific research that will change the standard of care on chronic diseases and neurological patients. Dr. Walls is an inspiration and hero to many people who are dealing with autoimmune and other complex chronic health challenges. Now, while I personally did not benefit from her guidance in my own MS reversal, I've had the pleasure of spending time with her at several terrific conferences. She was gracious to contribute her powerful healing story in my own book, Beat Autoimmune. I view her as a mentor on the path, and I'm so glad to call her a friend. Welcome, Terry. Thank you for having me. It is just a delight and an honor, and I'm so glad that we could spend this time together. You're a woman on a big mission to not only help people reclaim their lives as if that's not enough, you're on a mission to change medicine, to shift the very standard of care for the autoimmune patient, and we are all so, so grateful. Absolutely. So I'm a huge believer in starting with story, and to do that, Maybe you can walk us through the timeline of your journey with the emphasis on areas that you think may have set the stage for your MS to appear from the time you were young, growing up on the farm in Iowa. And I'll just do some color commentary or ask questions along the way. Sound good? Sure. So, you know, in retrospect, my symptoms began 40 years ago with uh, zingers right here at my uh, temple. Uh, They would eventually become electrical, more frequent, more severe. Uh, as I, I continued through medical school, uh, start launched my career. Then uh, in uh, 20 years later, in 2000, I developed weakness in my left leg uh, and underwent the big diagnosis uh, and uh, was diagnosed with uh, MS at that time. I saw the best people, took the newest drugs, 
Uh, and within three years, I'm in the total client wheelchair. I take um, mitoxantrone, tizabri, Celsept, nothing helps. I um, get a total client uh, wheelchair, but that's when I begin reading the basic science and begin experimenting. I discover, you know, and it slows my decline. Then I discover electrical stimulation of muscles. I add that to my regimen. Uh, and yeah, I, I'm slowly uh, a little bit better. I, I discovered the Institute for Functional Medicine. I take their course on neuroprotection. I've already discovered uh, the ancestral health movement. I've been on a paleo diet for five years. Uh, and then I have a really big aha, like what if I redesign my paleo diet based on uh, what I've been reading on the basic science and on functional medicine. Uh, and uh, to my amazement, you know, I, I start getting stronger. Uh, I, I can sit up at my uh, desk again. My electrical face pain, the trigeminal neuralgia are gone. Uh, and then again, uh, my physical therapist is amazed. I'm getting stronger. He's advancing my exercise program. And I am walking again. Uh, and then, uh, you know, six months later, I'm on my bike for the first time in six years and I am biking. Uh, and of course, this really changes how I think about disease and health. It changes the way I practice medicine. It changes the focus of my research. Uh, and, you know, I start doing clinical trials. Uh, I, and consistently, we have uh, favorable results. Uh, and I ultimately get the Linus Pline Award for my groundbreaking clinical research, patient care protocols. Uh, and now, you know, we really have touched the lives of millions. Uh, and, you know, I'm committed to teaching clinicians how to use these concepts and to teaching the public how to implement uh, these concepts as well. Wow. You've just taken us on a journey. It's like this speed reading cliff notes of your life's experience. And it sounds like it's just been a breeze. And I, I don't mean that in any way, except the way that you've just described it, it condenses. How many years? I mean, this is... Well, 40 years, really. 40 years, really. Okay. So, but even leading up to that, because you and I have talked about this and in your story, if we look back at a timeline in a functional medicine context, things start sometimes in utero before we're born, right? So where it all began. So where did it all begin? I'd like you to take us back in retrospect. Hindsight is twenty twenty, sure, right? Sure. And people view you as an icon of healing with food. But I have, you know, an inside look into this. And I know that on that farm, you know, your dad this, may have been using some chemicals. Yeah, so. sure. So, so let's go. Um, we know that for every autoimmune condition, whether it's MS or lupus or RA, there are about 200 different genes that increase your risk. And each gene, maybe a little bit, 1%, 2%. Um, and so I, let's say uh, we know that I've had a number of genes that put me at higher risk. But the most people with those genes never get their uh, MS or autoimmune condition. So it's the interplay between the genes that you have and all of your exposures. So in my case, what happened? Um, I, I was born vaginally. That was good. So I got a great first start. Uh, but I was given formula instead of breast milk. So uh, the breast milk helps set your microbiome. So I missed that. Then I had several bouts of... Uh, strep infection, uh, early ear infections. I was given uh, several rounds of antibiotics before the age of three. 
disrupts the microbiome. And you're more likely to have candida overgrowth, increases the risk of leaky gut. Food proteins get from the inside of the intestine to the bloodstream, where my immune cells react. And so it reacts to my genetic vulnerability, the food sensitivities. Mm-hmm. I got triggered. I start developing sensitivity. Now we know to gluten and casein and uh, egg proteins. Uh, and so sometime during adolescence, I probably had overt uh, food sensitivity, abnormal immune response to gluten, casein. Uh, we don't know when the egg sensitivity developed, but sometime in there. And during that time, I started having trouble with asthma. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have a really painful periods. So probably endometriosis. And growing up on a farm, it was a conventional farm. Uh, we had pesticides. Uh, we, we had a private well in Iowa. Nearly all of the private wells are contaminated with atrazine. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, I'm exposed to a variety of chemicals. I'm an artist before I'm a physician. So I'm uh, doing oil painting. Uh, oil painting, oil paint pigments use a lot of heavy metals, yes. cadmium, lead, mercury. Uh, and so I'm exposed to those things. I do metallurgy. I'm exposed to lead and solder. I, I go, um, but you know, I'm outside, it's plenty of vitamin D, plenty of exercise, lots of fresh air. We grow our own vegetables organically, at least the vegetables that were organic. Uh, and so a lot's right. I'm uh, in, you know, taking care of the livestock. So a lot of microbiome exposure. Uh, so that's right. So there's a lot of uh, that's going on. That's very health promoting. I go off to college uh, in art, more uh, heavy metals. Mm-hmm. I enter medical school, more stress, more uh, sleep deprivation, uh, not enough sunlight. Uh, so low vitamin D. And I'm thrilled to be in gross anatomy. And so I have a huge, probably three times the amount of formaldehyde exposure compared to my my cohort, my colleagues, because I'm going back to the gross lab, making all these beautiful sketches of the cadavers. It's just thrilling. Uh, And then uh, we go to clinicals, more stress, less sleep, less vitamin D. And that's when my trigeminal neuralgia begins. And explain to our viewers the trigeminal neuralgia. You call it the zingers that you get on your oh, yeah, bad so, stuff. So they, they start here, mm-hmm. mostly on the right, occasionally on the left. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like if you can imagine a cattle prod being uh, poked mm-hmm. right here. You get a jolt of electrical current coming down your face uh, to your jaw. Lasts just for a moment, comes on randomly. Uh, the episodes become steadily more frequent, more severe, more intense, and then gradually fade. Uh, and it's clear that they're more likely to happen if I'm sleep deprived or stressed. Uh, and so they happen uh, more frequently during medical school, uh, uh, during residency, uh, during uh, my first years of uh, professional practice. Uh, and you know, I see neurologists, I see pain, uh, pain services. We try a variety of medications. I get drug rashes, can't t- tolerate any of them and realize like, okay, I'm just gonna have to tough this out when they come. Uh, and when they turn on, um, you know, I would involuntarily uh, grimace, grunt, 
uh, if it was severe enough, I might, you know, uh, utter, um, uh, I would, it was difficult. Uh, then, uh, 20 years of that getting gradually worse, um, you know, and again, more stress, um, I, I, I have accepted the dogma of low fat mm-hmm. and as a vegetarian, vegan, low fat diet, yeah. um, uh, plenty of vegetables, uh, plenty of whole rice, beans, whole grains, lots of, uh, of bread, mm-hmm. uh, wheat, rye, barley. Um, and, and I, I had uh, dairy, uh, yogurts uh, and kefirs, uh, 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 some low fat cheese. And um, of course, no, I, you know, I, I didn't see any obvious triggers other than stress uh, um, uh, to my face pains. Right. And at this time, you're a doctor, right? At this point, so, you graduated so, so, medical school. I've graduated medical school. Yeah, you know, and I certainly believe, you know, in the low fat hypothesis. Mm-hmm. It was part of my exam, part of my training, and you know, the low fat vegetarian vegan diet was presumably, uh, you know, a really great diet and I had a family history, uh, put me at risk for heart disease. So that made a lot of sense. Then I, uh, developed leg weakness, uh, get the big evaluation, uh, MS. Um, so you're familiar with the swank diet, low fat, yeah. uh, diet, uh, go down that path, uh, rapid, uh, worsening. My physicians told me about the paleo diet. I, read uh, Cordain's books, his papers. So like, okay, this makes sense. And I reintroduced meat. Uh, that's, a, that's a big deal. I just want to, I just want to acknowledge very that big was deal. a very big deal. And the fact that your doctors recommended the paleo diet at this point, they had kind of given up because medications. Well, you know, right? and I, and um, I was being as aggressive as I could be with meds. Right. Um, I was taking uh, my disantral infusions, and I took Tizabri infusions, and then I took Celsept. Uh, yeah, and mind you, we're being as aggressive as possible, right. but I, you know, I clearly wasn't getting better. My face pain was clearly getting worse, mm-hmm. and it was very clear uh, I'm on track to be bedridden, yeah. demented, and possibly intractable pain. When my uh, pains turned on, uh, touch. Light, sound triggers the pain, uh, uh, and so my my fear was it would be permanently on that I would never be able to get it turned yeah. off again. Yeah. Uh, and that was uh, you know certainly a very uh, uh, troubling uh, concern. Uh, and so in 07, um, you know I'm reading the basic science. I'm experimenting with uh, supplements uh, around my mitochondria. I think mitochondrial. Uh, uh, function is key for brain function and key part of neurodegeneration. Uh, and so I really focused on what I could do to resuscitate my mitochondria using, you know, B vitamins, CoQ, lipoic acid, creatine. Uh, and uh, I discovered the uh, studies using electrical stimulation of muscles. I added that to my regimen, working closely with a physical therapist discovered the Institute for Functional Medicine, took their course on neuroprotection. They had a longer list of supplements, which I added. Mm-hmm. And then I had this really brilliant aha. What if I redesign my paleo diet based on uh, the science I've been reading, you know, 
And really what I was doing is combining ancestral health, basic science that I'd been reading and functional medicine. So that's a couple more months of intensive um, uh, research. Now, what are the foods that stress these nutrients I was taking in supplement form? So I, I, it takes, it, you know, I finally get my diet re, redesigned. I have a list of food stuffs that I'm going to be eating. And I start this new way of eating. Uh, and it's shocking, really, because uh, it's, it's surprisingly quick how, how quickly my fatigue is gone, my uh, mental clarity improves, and the pain turns off. Uh, and then, so that was in about six weeks. It was very clear uh, um, I, uh, fatigue, um, mood, pain, remarkable difference. Uh, and then my uh, neuro, uh, physical therapist, who I've been seeing you know, a couple times a week, he says, you know, Terry, you're definitely getting stronger. And he uh, advances my exercises, has me start lifting weights. Uh, and uh, then, uh, we, so we do that. Uh, and in a couple more months, you know, I, I, I stun my colleagues at the hospital. by, And I remember this day so remarkably. Um, I had a, a, a letter to mail and I just thought, you know, I'm feeling really pretty good. I'm going to walk down the hall as opposed to taking my wheelchair down the hall. Uh, and so I'm walking down the hall. I, I put the letter in my pocket and, and now this first walk I'm doing with my, with walking sticks, but mind you, people haven't seen me walking in the hall for years, four to be exact. And so my colleague's like, oh, my God, Dr. Walls, what happened? You're walking. Uh, uh, and so th uh, that was really quite remarkable. Uh, and uh, three months after that, um, you know, I'm walking the neighborhood uh, around the block. Uh, and I decide that I, I want to try biking. And my wife's, you know, she says, well, you know, if things keep going well, maybe this fall we can try biking. And two weeks later. Um, we have this emergency family meeting because I'm determined I am going to try biking. Uh, and in fact, uh, I, I am able to bike, uh, you know, bike around the block. Uh, my uh, kids are crying. I'm crying. Yeah, and that fundamentally changes how I think about disease and health. And it would change the way I practice medicine. And it will ultimately change uh, the focus of my research. It's just it's just so remarkable. And I know it doesn't even do, begin to do it justice in a small interview like this, the profound pain that you're in. And the fact that you tried the paleo diet, and I want to be really clear, because I understand that you tried it for five years. Oh, yeah. No, not, I, and did not have this experience just on correct. a regular paleo diet. So I want to be clear. But but the reason this is important, and I really want to emphasize is, is that a lot of people think well, you know, it didn't work for me. So therefore I'm going to stop it and go back to eating gluten, dairy, and eggs. And yeah. I really want to underscore the fact that you kind of, you turbocharged the paleo diet. Correct. And the other thing I want to point out to people is, so I added supplements for the mitochondria. That was not enough. I did functional medicine with supplements. That was not enough. I did the paleo diet plus supplements. That was not enough. I did e-stem plus the paleo diet plus supplements. That was not enough. 
I um, you know, redesigned my paleo diet. I added meditation. I lo- looked very carefully at everything that I could with my self-care routine. Mm. And I did all of that, not to get better, because I knew recovery was not possible. All of my physicians had said, you've got progressive MS, functions once lost are gone forever. So we got to stop. We got to keep you from losing more function. So I was doing everything. I kept adding everything not to get better because I knew recovery was not possible. I did all that to slow my decline. And, and the other thing that's remarkable is, so so I am remarkably better. Yeah, I don't have pain uh, for the first time in years. My uh, thinking is, is more clear. I have more energy. I'm walking again for the first time really in years. But as part of having a neurodegenerative process, we learn to let go of the future and take each day as it unfolds, which I've done, which is very important to, to coping with a progressive illness. So I didn't know what any of this stuff meant. You know, I'm walk, I'm able to walk around the block for the first time in four years. And I really don't know what it means. It wasn't until I biked around the block. I'm like, okay, who knows how much recovery might be possible that the current understanding of multiple sclerosis of progressive MS of secondary progressive MS, primary progressive MS, relapse remitting MS, all of that is incomplete. And um, now clearly, yeah, I've continued to uh, get stronger, uh, get healthier, and replicate my experience in others with a wide variety of disease states. It's not just MS. Yeah. Parkinson's. Tell us about other diseases. Well, that this is. So- yeah, so let's start with the other autoimmune conditions. Um, uh, and, you know, literally there are 25 million autoimmune uh, people who are diagnosed. And another 75 million who have autoantibodies and don't have a clear diagnosis yet, mm. uh, but often have pain, fatigue, mental health problems, uh, and autoantibodies. We, uh, again, have seen people in my clinics, uh, in my followers, who have either an autoimmune diagnosis or unexplained symptoms, typically pain, fatigue, mental health symptoms, and autoantibodies, mm-hmm. who we put on our program and experience more energy, less pain, uh, better mental clarity, better moods, and uh, often reduction of their autoantibodies, uh, improvements of their function, and they're able to reduce uh, uh, their prescription med, uh, doses simplify their medications, you know, often be able to reduce uh, and even eliminate many of their prescription meds. Uh, And we had such success uh, at the VA that the VA chief of medicine and the chief of staff pulled me out of primary care so we could establish the um, therapeutic lifestyle clinic where we used my concepts uh, in others with great success. It's just remarkable. And what makes it even more powerful is that you are a classically trained conventional physician. Who oh, yeah, I originally, but, but, but going back, you didn't believe in the, in the woo-woo. Oh, I thought it was hooey. Yeah, right. I thought it was hooey. Right. Right. <laughs> right, very. So in one way, one can look back and consider things to be gifts because mm-hmm. your experience, I view as a gift, my experience 
-hmm. what I went through, the 26 years of relapsing, remitting MS with no internet at the time when I was diagnosed at 19 in 1984, no internet, but the swank diet in the public library. So there there was no pathway. So I just want to say that we are so grateful to you for having gone through the pain, as we say, the pain to purpose, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, and even now, uh, the trigeminal neuralgia, the terrible, terrible pain uh, that uh, that uh, caused, is this tremendous gift because now I realize I have this uh, very sensitive biosensor yeah. that tells me the level of inflammation in my brain, in my spinal cord and probably in my bloodstream uh, really very well. So if my environment deteriorates because of excessive stress, uh, toxins, um, or an infection, if I get a, a viral infection, a fever, my face pain will turn up. Yeah. Uh, and so whenever that happens, you know, I sit down like, okay, what was the trigger? Uh, and you know, my wife and I will have a conversation like, okay, what do we think the trigger was? Uh, and what can I do about that? Uh, and then I also look at, okay, how's my self-care routine? Am I slacking off? Do I need to uh, do a little better job? Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the things that we teach in my uh, summer on my programs to help people mm-hmm. identify what are your biosensors? How can you monitor your physiology, your level of inflammation? Uh, and people who have pain, uh, we have it the easiest because um, that that's very handy. If you happen to have a skin problem, that's handy because then you can look at your skin like, okay, now my psoriasis is, is bad. So there's a problem. Um, if I, uh, but if sensory disturbance is helpful, if it's a mental health issue, that's a little tougher because we don't always have as good of insight into our mental health. Um, motor functions um, uh, can be difficult. Uh, because those will not come back as quickly. Mm. Uh, and so that's, that can be helpful, but it's not as easy as dealing with pain. Uh, pain, pain is the most sensitive and it can correct the most quickly. Uh, skin takes longer to correct motor takes longer to correct. Uh, and so I, I let people know who have pain that as difficult as that is, it is a very helpful biosensor uh, for improving. Absolutely. I, I love it. It's thank you to the symptom and then dig deeper because that's yes. the invitation. So let us dig into your protocol. I, I'd love to just recap what's in it because it is so nutrient dense and people who aren't yeah. familiar with it, they need to know. And then well, I'd like to, to go into a little bit, are you still doing what you... Oh you yeah, set out well, to do those now, years ago. Take let me put, hold up my baby for a moment. We revised the book, so you have Yay. the original paperback on your shelf. This is I the did. new version. Mm-hmm. So pick up the new version with the blue banner because uh, that'll tell you uh, what we're doing uh, presently. Um, I think uh, a very important step is improving diet quality. Now, if you're vegetarian or vegan for your spiritual beliefs. I do have guidance uh, for, for those people. Uh, if you're open to eating meat, I have guidance for the meat eater. And if you have a, a reason to be a ketogenic eater, we have guidance for you uh, on that basis. 
Um, and I, I want you to think about two categories of food. One is the food to remove, uh, and the other is the food to add. The things to remove are uh, uh, added sugars, uh, very inflammatory, uh, and uh, work on reducing uh, the processed and fast, fast foods. And replace them with more non-starchy vegetables, uh, berries, and a good source of protein. Now, in terms of the vegetables, uh, I classify them into green leafy vegetables uh, like kale, uh, Swiss chard, uh, uh, spinach, uh, lettuce, uh, parsley. Um, and then the sulfur-rich vegetables, cabbage, onion, mushroom family, and deeply pigmented things like uh, beets, carrots, uh, berries. Uh, and the goal is to have, uh, and keep in mind, I'm a tall lady, six foot tall. Uh, so uh, nine cups of vegetables measured raw. Uh, if you're uh, a, a petite lady, and we have folks in our clinical trial who are only uh, four foot eight, so they, they have, are not eating nine cups of vegetables. So uh, again, it'd be proportionately less. Uh, and we, then we need to have sufficient protein. And again, we have a different plan for the meat eaters and for the uh, vegetarians. So step one is really ramp ramping up the non-starchy uh, vegetables and berries. And then uh, in terms of things that I want to, uh, the other things to remove, uh, commonly uh, gluten sensitivity, casein sensitivity, may, uh, and uh, egg uh, sensitivity may play an important role in your disease. So I uh, ask, tell people that uh, to remove gluten, casein, and dairy, uh, uh, and eggs, meticulously, uh, so we can see, is that a, a problem for you or not? Uh, and there's a huge biologic difference between doing this 100% and doing it 95%. If you're still having it occasionally, you're still keeping the uh, inflammation molecules up, uh, increased in your bloodstream and in your brain, and you, and you won't be able to tell if you could get uh, a recovery reduction of symptoms by removing those foods. That is such an important point. I just want to underscore, this is not a sometimes diet. This is 100%. I couldn't agree with you more. I will ask, is there a time, do you believe that everyone I see, you know, about 80% of my clients are sensitive to eggs? I don't see 100%. No, it's certainly not 100%. You know, and eggs have a lot of great nutrition in them. Uh, so if you can tolerate eggs, then yes, I would love to have you uh, eat eggs. If I eat eggs, I'm incapacitated by pain. So uh, I'm not going to eat eggs. Um, uh, but I have people take the eggs out, uh, ideally for three months, but you know, you could at least a month and then try adding the yolks back. If you tolerate the yolks, great nutrition, uh, I have them. Uh, and then if you tolerate the yolks, the next week you can try adding the white. And if you tolerate that, by all means, I have the eggs because they do have a lot of really, really great nutrition. Yeah. But if your symptoms come back, then you're one of those folks who do not do well with eggs. Yeah. And it's a great, great point. Now you, you have some other very specific parts to your protocol, which includes the addition of organ meats, which a lot of people are not only unfamiliar with, they may have an aversion to. So I have well, a particular question on this because I wondered, is there a way to bypass eating it? Could we freeze it, cut it up into little pieces and well, swallow it? 
talk to us about. So there there are lots of uh, things. Uh, The first one is it's incredibly delicious. Prepared correctly, it's some of the uh, favorite foods uh, uh, that our ancestors had uh, that we have. Uh, When I serve this to my kids and their friends, uh, they love uh, Mm. organ meats the way way we prepare them. So they they certainly can be delicious. You could also have uh, organ meat capsules. Uh, We have them uh, on our website. Um, so uh, there are options that way. Got it. Um, uh, y- yeah, you want to look for a good supplier uh, to be sure that it's healthy animals, uh, uh, preferably organically grown. Uh, that would be helpful. Uh, and then um, think about the various sources of organ meats. Um, so, excuse me, uh, oysters, mussels, uh, clams, uh, those are organ meats as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anytime you have the entire animal, uh, like uh, a whole sardine, we have the whole sardine, uh, that would be organ meat as well. Uh, And furthermore, when we have only muscle meat, that uh, um, uh, gives us an imbalanced uh, uh, methionine-glycine ratio. Um, And so having more organ meat Having more bone broth uh, will help ensure that we have a balanced amino acid ratios. I love that. And then you add iodine with seaweed or algae, correct? Correct, correct. Now, if we're low on iodine, our immune cells will not do nearly as uh, as effective a job of protecting us from infection or from cancers. Mm. uh, And we'll be at a higher rate for autoimmune thyroid disease. If we are overloaded on iodine, we have a higher rate of autoimmune thyroid disease, um, but we also have a lower rate of infections uh, and of cancers. Yeah. Um, so uh, replacing, if you have thyroid disease, you have to work closely with your physician about uh, reintroducing uh, seaweed uh, and iodine. That makes perfect sense. So do you have anything else you would like to say on diet? Because I'd love to touch on the supplements that you strongly encourage people to sure. be their supplements. They're not a replacement for, we're talking about a Correct. nourishing paleo diet coupled with supplements for most people. And I, I want to remind uh, uh, people that we have such a desire to keep eating terrible foods for us, uh, 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 engage in uh, uh, dis- health destroying habits, yeah. sedentary lifestyle and have a magic pill let us have these terrible foods and uh, a sedentary lifestyle that will not create health. Yeah. So supplements may uh, uh, accelerate your healing, um, but you still have to address your diet. You still have to address um, uh, self-care routines. Most of us are going to be low in our vitamin D. Our ancestors lived and worked outside 24, 7, 365 days a year. Most of us wear clothes and work and recreate uh, much of the day inside. So we're going to be low on our vitamin D. You have two choices, go outside and get a tan um, or take supplements. Uh, And you'll have to decide clinically, which is the better way, the better strategy for you to use. If you use supplements, uh, be sure that you monitor your uh, blood levels. So you don't overshoot. That's a good one. Anything besides D? Are you a fan of the omega-3s, alpha lipoic well, acid? 
Um, so uh, in my book, I, I walk through the various supplements that, that uh, I think about and the questions that I run through my head uh, as I sort out, uh, would this person benefit from uh, omega-3? Would they benefit from a sulfur-containing amino acids uh, and B vitamins? And so I, I like to monitor the homocysteine level to guide, uh, do we need additional B vitamins or not? And which B vitamins? Um, I, I like to think about ensuring adequate omega-3s. Uh, and so that uh, ideally we're able to uh, do this with grass-fed, grass-finished uh, meats uh, and wild fish uh, and uh, a um, modest level of omega-3 uh, supplements. Uh, additional uh, targeted supplements, particularly as we think about the coronavirus, uh, I would probably think about uh, vitamin C in uh, uh, zinc, uh, at, at least. Uh, and then uh, other targeted supplements depend on the person's uh, uh, other health issues and their background. That makes perfect sense. Thank you. How about meal timing? I mean, we this is coming to be super important in healing this concept of hormesis, right? Hormesis, yes. So can you talk to us about this so, and... Hormesis, hormesis uh, is a period of stress, mild to moderate stress, followed by sufficient recovery time for your cells to do repair whatever damage was caused by that mild to moderate stress. And our ancestors, uh, we had stress with temperature, stress with exercise, uh, stress with uh, 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 adequate food, uh, absence of food. Uh, and we would have had stress with uh, a variety of uh, uh, phytonutrients, uh, plants, uh, tremendous amount of diversity uh, in the plants. Now, because our brains are wired to crave uh, salt, sugar, fat, sex, inactivity, and pleasure, uh, and we've and we're, we're, we're very good at communicating, very good at, uh, at uh, cooperating uh, and competing. So over thousands of years, we've created businesses. And our businesses are really good at making products that help us meet those biologic desires that we have for pleasure, for comfort, for salt, sugar, sex, fat. What that means is, you and I live in a very comfortable home. We sit on very comfortable chairs. We live in an environment that is temperature controlled. We have food available all the time. We don't have to be hungry if you don't feel like it. Turns out that is really bad for our physiology. If we have intermittent stress, it's a really good thing. So hormesis is mild intermittent stress followed by a recovery period. Food. An absence of food is a, a very nice way of getting some hormetic stress. So you could add in time-restricted feeding. So um, I get all of my calories in a 12-hour window and then don't eat for 12 hours. And then over time, as I'm interested and open to doing so, I could narrow the number of hours with which I would normally eat. So instead of eating a 12-hour window, maybe I'm going to eat in an eight-hour window or a six-hour window or a two-hour window or every other day. 
And there are a variety of eating stat, uh, strategies around that pattern. And it's called time-restricted feeding or intermittent uh, fasting. Intermittent fasting being eating uh, every other day. <coughs> Excuse me. And, and then you could also do a periodic uh, fast where you might not eat for two days or three days or five days or seven days. Followed by a, a refeed where you eat sufficient calories and protein to restore all of the nutrients that are required for optimal functioning. And we have the similar principles for exercise followed by recovery, uh, for temperature, you know, some cold exposure, some heat exposure, followed by recovery. Yeah. When we talk about hormesis, it's kind of like a little bit of stress is good for us, but too much stress is bad. And another place that this applies is sunshine, right? I mean, a Correct. little bit of sunshine, good stuff, a lot, and we get too much radiation. So we can think about this in a lot of different contexts of our life. I think you hit it on the head exactly when you talked about we live well, in comfortable places and who wants to be uncomfortable? We have to train ourselves to get out of the comfort zone, right? I took a cold shower before getting on this interview with you. Not my favorite thing to do, but I've gotten used to that. So correct. that's something that we can build to, right? We can build to it. And you can build to it at the pace that you want to experience. Um, and so uh, that cold shower, you can start with a warm shower like most of us do, and decide you're going to end with uh, cold water. And then over time, you can gradually lengthen the time that you spend in the cold shower with the goal originally of like, okay, maybe over the next month, work up to have a two-minute cold shower at the end. And maybe then when I'm comfortable with that, I could decide that I'll just switch to a cold shower uh, and I will not use the warm warm water up for my showers. It, it's a process, um, but we can make this uh, transition at the speed that uh, works for us. Yes. And I think, you know, as we get close to the end of our time together, I really would love to step back and have you opine on the situation of autoimmunity. I mean, this is, as I write about a mismatch disease, we are living out of sync with our ancestral rhythms. Our DNA is not matched yes. to this process convenient lifestyle that we're living in. So how can we get back to that, you know, a modern day cave woman kind of life without having to go be a cave woman, if you see what I'm saying? gradually uh, area by area begin to uh, uh, get more effectively aligned, uh, get your day night cycle uh, uh, appropriately aligned, uh, maintain some social uh, connectivity, uh, have uh, hormesis uh, uh, with temperature, uh, have hormesis with exercise. Uh, it, and if you're so inclined to do everything all at once, go for it. Most of us will do better one new skill at a time, get comfortable with that, and then add the next new skill. And depending on your health challenges, you'll sort out 
um, at what pace you can begin to make these changes. I've been at this, you know, really uh, pretty intensely since diagnosis in 2000, very intensely since 2004, when I'm like, okay, it's up to me to figure this out. And I continue to refine and learn and grow. And, you know, I plan on living to 120, maybe 150 if things go really well. And I plan on keep learning and uh, growing and refining that whole time. So you're never going to be fully there. Hopefully you'll continue to learn, to refine, and to think deeply about what you can do to have uh, some of these uh, better self-care routines in your life. So beautiful. And it makes me think of one last thing, that you having a big, hairy, audacious goal, like living to 120, would you invite people to consider big missions, big visions for their lives? What are they doing this for? Absolutely. You want to know what you, why are you doing this? Um, What would you like to have happen? Another thing I encourage people to do is if your health could moderately improve, how would you celebrate with your family and some sort of physical task? What could you do? Um, That would be a lovely uh, aspirational goal then for you and your family. So beautiful. Well, I am so delighted that you joined us today. You are truly the modern day hunter gatherer leader paving this path back to vibrant health for us all. And yours is a story of resilience, courage, and determination. And I I just want to emphasize that these are not stories that are isolated to you or to me. Anybody who has the tenacity, the desire for creating health, a life they love, can experience this Absolutely. vibrancy. So I, I want, it's both miraculous, the story that you've had, but it's also available to anybody. Is that how you would, would you corroborate Absolutely. that? Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. We see that over and over again. I love it. I love it. I love it. Now I understand that you've got a five-day challenge coming up for people with autoimmune conditions. So can you tell our viewers a yes. little bit about that? So five-day challenge, uh, you sign up at terrywalls.com forward slash five-day challenge. Uh, be sure and, and confirm your email. You'll get a lesson in the morning, and then uh, we invite you to take some actions. In the evening, we'll have a longer conversation about that lesson. You'll hear from some other folks who have implemented those concepts and how it's transformed their lives as well. Mm-hmm. This goes through f- five days. We've touched the lives of thousands and thousands and thousands of people learn how to take charge of their lives uh, and redirect their healing uh, is really uh, lots and lots of fun uh, and uh, very uh, life-changing. Mm, magnificent. So again, terrywalls.com forward slash five day challenge, just so that we're clear on dates. Is that starting March 29? March 29th starts uh, Monday morning. Uh, you'll get your first lesson uh, with a prompt to do some uh, work during the day. And then in the evening, we will go through the lesson and you'll get a little bit more teaching. I love it. It's just been such a pleasure talking with you. Thank you for being so inspirational and courageous and leading us in this journey to vibrant health. Terry, thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you. Much Have love to you care. and your tribe. Much love to you too. Take good care. Hope to All see right. you soon. Bye-bye. And that's a wrap. 
Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, share it with your friends and family. And if you feel inspired, please leave a quick review so other people can find it too. Now, if you want to beat autoimmune and thrive, make sure you sign up for my free video training at freeautoimmunetraining.com. That's freeautoimmunetraining.com and watch the first video right away. Take good care. Bye for now.